0: Welcome to Cleveland Moto, a vintage motorcycle podcast by people who wrench and ride. We'll be bringing you Vin Moto chat each week, so sit back, relax, and crack a beer. Or play us over the speakers in your shop while working on your latest project. Cleveland
1: Moto. Here's your host, Phil Waters. And welcome to episode number seven. Are we on? We're, We're on. rolling? We're on. Check, check. We're on. Yeah, this is episode number seven. We've made it this far of our podcast. Today in attendance, we've got Dustin Elliott running the boards. We're downstairs at Studio 45 Garage. It is fantastic. As usual, John McElfresh is here, James Robertson, and myself, Phil Waters. I, I would like to uh, everybody tip their hat for one moment to our friend uh, Shane Post, who recently went to Mexico, and uh, although mm-hmm. did come back <laughs> alive, he did come back alive, he did come back with a... Killer case of Montezuma's revenge.
2: We wouldn't pay the uh, ransom if he so, got.
1: He's been uh, he's been hating life for a while. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's there we go. Uh, that's 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 a sad state of affairs. Well, I feel I, I feel really Mexico. bad for you. You know, I went to Mexico and nothing happened to me. I drank the water. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I
0: ate and drank for free for days. It was beautiful. You know, we had fun. There was you know. Oh, great shit to do that's not, that's, kind
2: of, that's not what I did I camped in a shitty compound and, and
0: now, he's, now he's now he's got the shits really bad yeah, so yeah, you know a mess. And
2: remember, he was well, he last pays for last he one, one way or another you're gonna pay for going to Mexico when I you was know? a
3: kid we went to Mexico and they would provide the big thing was they provided you with fresh drinking water uh-huh. and it came in like a gallon jug sure and the one day I was watching the maid out there, at a, had the hose tap, was <gasps> it on. So that was your fresh drinking water, yeah.
2: Because okay. well, my uncle was like, don't drink that without putting right. iodine in it. Well, we went to uh, Mexico for a scooter rally a couple years back, and uh, right at the border, before you go into Mexico, there's a gas station, like, the border and the gas station, and it's like you're driving through like a development, almost. And, um... At the gas station, there's gallons of water for 59 cents. Wow! So if you're that worried about it, you stop it there. You get the gallon of water, 59 cents. I think I picked up four of them. Didn't last me five days, but I brushed my teeth down there. I drank the water. I don't care. You know, it was it wasn't that bad. Yeah, Shane was, gonna was gonna looking gaunt.
1: Like when Shane came in, he looked like he would lost 15 pounds. Oh seriously? Yeah, absolutely. He was in bad. He was in a bad way.
2: But could that have been drinking though?
1: Oh, I don't know. You know it could have, you know. He said the one day he counted that he drank 32, 32 shots of tequila or cocktails over the course of a day. Wow. But he said he didn't feel drunk. And I said, that's because they're watering it down for you.
2: Yeah. You're not buying anything <laughs> Well, that again, power. Like, sitting <laughs> in the sun, that'll do that to you. You yeah. can drink all day if you're sitting in the sun and you won't feel drunk, but it'll hit you.
1: I still have a feeling they can make a bottle of tequila last about a week down there. Yeah. They just keep thinning it out.
2: That's why you don't... It's like going to the strip club. You never drink anything unless you can open it yourself. Right.
1: Open the seal yourself, and then you know you're, you're getting what you paid for. So, yeah, there's been some uh, been some fun stuff. Uh, we had some crazy good weather, and everybody got to ride a little bit, and then the blizzard came back. Yeah. Wiped us all out again and dumped a you know, foot and a half of snow on us out of nowhere. And then it so, melted in about 24 hours. And yeah. There's yeah. still a bunch of it hanging around. But yes. it's just the beer cooler snow at this point. Pretty much. I they're think we're supposed to, to get more uh, into this week. Yeah, yet you want to talk about your uh, optimistic journalism. You know, we're doing the St. Paddy's Day Parade, which is Thursday, and I'm looking at the weather report on Channel 3. And, uh, of course, the weather report for the whole week is, you know, yeah, you know, okay, 38 to 41 or whatever. But then, miraculously, on St. Paddy's Day, oh, it's the luck of the Irish. It's going to go up to 58 degrees. I'm like, there, every news station in Cleveland is just promoting that lie to get everybody to come downtown for the parade. Yeah. yeah, Because we'll get there for the parade. It'll be 32 degrees. I know it won't be 58. That's, that's a money day for Cleveland. It is. It's a big day. I mean, that's a huge parade. Big money for everybody.
0: Last I checked on the uh, the Weather Channel iPhone right. app, it was
1: uh, 44
2: and 80% chance of rain. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So That seems a little more That's realistic. the kind of weather <laughs> I probably won't be in the parade for. <clears throat> no, I predict I'll be at work on Thursday. Yeah.
3: March is the month where it's just like winter kinda ha- you you want spring to be I here. Know. You get teasers with a beautiful day, but it just it's the it's the most irritating, it's the most aggravating month of winter. It's like should be over, you want it to be over, but right. it just keeps coming back at you.
1: And you don't dare ride your bike to work in the morning. Because you might be <laughs> Yeah.
3: You might be riding never home never. in the snow in the evening.
1: Yeah. yeah. A few years ago I rode the bike to work in the morning and that was when I was testing one of those Piaggio MP threes with the three wheels. The two oh, but in the front and the one in the that, back.
3: That would be really stable. I mean, it would be <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I can you? tell you.
1: I, mean, I can give you <laughs> a firsthand experience <laughs> because when I came to work in the morning at you know, 9 o'clock in the morning, the roads were clear. Um, and we caught a blizzard like crazy to the point where I even bailed out of work a couple hours early because the way it was coming down. Mm-hmm. And I had my gear on and everything else, jumped on the MP3 and started going down Lake Road. They hadn't hit it. They hadn't plowed it or salted it yet. And it was undrivable. I mean, because with the street tires, the bike couldn't hook up. Oh, absolutely. The front two tires are basically snow plowing. Yeah, it falls over just like a regular bike, trust me. So I gave up on that and then went up to I-90, figured I-90's been plowed at least. (laughs) And it had been plowed, and they had laid one shot of salt down on it, so I was able to keep it kind of straight. But the weird thing is, you know, three wheels on the bike doesn't make you any more stable. There's no hydraulic assistance to keep the bike upright. If it's gonna go over, it's gonna go over the same way as a two-wheeled bike does. Right. The weird thing that was happening though is because the slippery road, the snow that I was driving on, and the crown of the road, I was actually yawing into the ditch. You know, I couldn't hold my line because the bike was literally just going with the curve of the road, with the crown of the road. And every time I try to make a correction the back end would skate out on me yeah. so i would wanted just to come around oh i want to come around every single time huh. so i gave up i basically bailed got off at uh columbia road went down to the long or outback steakhouse i said i'm gonna go in there i'm gonna get some dinner i'm gonna wait until they get a chance to plow this and clear it up and while i was in there i think another six inches of snow fell
3: yeah <laughs> and i had
1: to have Merritt and renee come out uh with the truck and then run the problem how do you load a bike that has three wheels in the truck with only one ramp very careful. It's impossible. So they <laughs> had to follow me home, and I went down Lake Road with my feet down. And, you know, 15 miles an hour with my feet down going down Lake Road because I couldn't make the bike hook up. Exactly. Uh, three wheels, I can tell you, is not any advantage on the snow.
3: No. Yeah.
1: It's zero help. Unless all three are driving. Well, yeah, or it's locked out some way so mm-hmm. that it actually is holding itself upright because it's just, that's just loosey goosey. It just
3: wants to fall over and do its thing. That's what they need to make a front wheel drive mp3 <laughs> uh here's the crazy you, thing. you <laughs> shut your mind no
1: Yagio they'll say they're gonna do it and like the mp3 hybrid where they, they told us eight years ago they were gonna do it and we still haven't seen it yet and yeah. hey, john the, uh, you know
2: what you're gonna have to work on those if it does happen so yeah, that's
1: true <laughs> can we delete that yeah well here's the <laughs> scary thing what is happening and is already being built is the that pgo over in taiwan is building an electric buddy scooter Oh, they've had that for a while, oh, actually. But have you heard about what makes it interesting? No. It has two-wheel drive. Yeah, motors, Get out. On, the really? motors, motors on the front, in the front and, front and motors back. On the rear. Oh, so there's a pancake d- motor in the front hub.
0: Hub motors? Yep, hub okay, motor in cool. the front
1: and hub motor in the back. Hmm. I can't help but think, if anybody's ever ridden a RoCon and knows those are kind of weird to ride, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, this is going to be a strange strange bike to ride but yeah. yeah we'll be very excited to find i've out read more some
3: on like the, they've done that with dirt bikes yeah. with the wr250 mm-hmm. they have a front end front. conversion yeah, they have a lot of that comes down to like it depends on how well they control the front drive and stuff mm-hmm. like they usually do a split like the front is really 20 percent or so it's like an assist yeah. it's yeah. just helping pull it right. along it's not like really driving no. the bike yeah, and stuff so i don't know they run they, through a worm uh, worm cable or something like that. This to is go the to the latest permutation of that was actually like a hydrostatic drive. I saw that where they were actually yeah. like they had somehow. And I didn't even you know haven't seen a schematic fluid of. It's yeah. like a fluid drive in the front hub mm-hmm. or something like that. But yeah, the rocon was old just shafts.
1: The sha- it was shafts, sprockets, and chains. Yeah. And they transmitted power from the motor to the front wheel via shafts, sprockets, and chains. I've
3: never had the opportunity to ride one, but I have to think at one point it's either when you gas it, it's got to either want to go right oh, or no, left. Oh no, it's, because yeah, it's, it's, it's got...
1: extremely difficult to ride effectively, and guys who can ride them effectively, and there's a reason that bike doesn't go over 30 miles an hour. Yeah, because it's really just to go along at walking speed, basically, uh, and yeah. it will go through or over anything.
0: Yeah, they had one of those on. Uh, what was that? No. One of those History Channel shows, the uh, Pawn Stars.
1: Oh, really? They have a bike. Yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah, they got one in. They had a Trailbreaker.
1: Had their guy redo it for them. Fun bike because the wheels. You can order them. Well, the wheels. You can order it with a hollow aluminum wheel. Yeah. So there's a cap on the wheel. Now, when there's just air in it, it enables you to basically float the bike. Mm -hmm. You stand next to it in water, and the bike stays upright. You don't want to float it upside down, obviously. But you can also fill those wheels with gasoline or water. Or water. So, if you're doing a mountaineering type excursion, they took them across the Himalayas and they were able okay. to put gasoline fu- or fuel in yeah. the inside of those hollow aluminum wheels. Wow. It gives you more traction, keeps your weight down low and sunshine. And then you've got
2: and water you've got and gas fuel. and fuel. Yeah. Exactly.
3: <laughs> so, I mean, that's really ingenious when you think about stuff like that. Oh, well, there's the topic. The... the the bike to ride into the apocalypse. Which is the bike? The rocon probably to... isn't one. The no.
1: can't outrun your band of uh, post apocalyptic warriors. No. Couldn't outrun <laughs>
2: zombies. A yeah. toe
1: cutter is going to catch you on a row cutter, <laughs> man. Yeah, 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 yeah. A row cutter?
2: A row cutter. Wow, that's nice. nice. Is that a Roqueta? Um,
1: <laughs> so, John brought up an interesting point. What did you tell us about uh, what thing were we all wearing today that we noticed in our little band of brothers? Well,
3: if you're going going into the apocalypse, you might want to have... I just noticed that each one of us has on our Gerber tool. Uh, yeah. The founding father of the, the Gerber tool in this group is Phil. Yeah, You recognize the sound of yep. the Gerber tool being deployed. The, uh, the switchblade action of the Gerber multiplier. Now, the Gerber is actually different than some of the multi-tools. Most of the multi-tools... Fold out like a butterfly knife. Like a butterfly knife, yeah. right? Like the Gerber is leather. actually a slide out, right? So for <clears throat> those of you who aren't familiar with the Gerber, it was watch, it was fun when I gave
1: you your Gerber tool at your birthday, watching you try to open it.
3: Yeah, I still, <laughs> I still don't really have that perfected. I sometimes I'm good, I'm right on, I can flip it out real nice, like a pro, and other times I, you, know, you don't just know. got to practice,
2: practice, practice. You know
0: when, when I first got mine, I thought it was just that easy because yeah. I've I've seen you know you right. a million times just go wha bam yeah. And I'm trying, and I'm, like, throwing it across the room, and, you know.
3: <laughs> it's the right little, quite, you got to get the well, right I realize, too, you the have the to wrist. work it in a little. Yeah, yeah it's, it's got to break in. It's, it's got to break tight.
0: in. It doesn't want to zing open so quick. Like, I, I finally just, I got mine at Christmas. Right. It's finally at the point where I can, poof, you
1: know, it I'm, just comes right out. The biggest, you know, I just love it. I've had it for, like, 18 years now.
0: I I'm going to say,
2: Phil, Phil, Phil's always had a Gerber tool since I've known him. For many years. Oh, you won't catch me not wearing it. (laughs) Yeah, he wears it everywhere. And I always thought it was kind of like, ah, that's kind of weird. And then um, I bought him like a real cheap multi-tool a couple years back. And I wore it a couple times, and I was like, hey, this kind of sucks. And then Phil bought me a Gerber, and I won't take it off. Yeah. It goes, <laughs> if I'm going out at night, I that's the funny thing, yeah, when that's I'm how I am. Suit.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. even <laughs> under a suit, I'll have a Gerber because there's always something that needs to be fixed.
2: Yeah, yeah and Phil got me mine and Phil got John his. Yeah. I mean, it, it is the ultimate uh, it man sleep. love tool. My mom got gift.
1: me mine.
0: <laughs> Aww, <that's> <laughs> <cute>. <laughs> but well, you, no, technically my mom and Bruce, there you go, who is a vintage motorcycle guy. Right. But you, you got go. Shane one. I got
1: Shane one. Yes, I did. It so is, it's like it's the man v- Valentine's Day present, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it is. Well, it's like hey, I love you, man. I think Here's I'll get
2: right. my, my nephew one. He's right. he's turning twenty one, I think, this year, so yeah. maybe I'll get him one. And he's like a mechanic, I think. Right of so passage. Yeah. It yeah. is a rite of passage
1: tool. Yeah. You it's know? kinda like,
0: yeah, you're my brother.
1: You got yeah. you have your man card. You need this.
2: So I was got...
0: twenty
1: three years old. Now I got my first one was a leatherman tool, and I got it when I was in the military, just before I went to Libya. And Handy is thing that Libya an hour. <laughs> yeah, <that was laughs> Libya back then. <laughs> that was that was same, we like to call that Qaddafi one. <laughs> same conflict, different area. Right. Same conflict, different area, right? But uh, you know, I got one then. They had the Leatherman tools were kind of just kicking around the PX then. Mm-hmm. I grabbed one and I, I was like this thing is invaluable. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, that was hardly about that was hardly the tshh of a freshly opened beer.
2: I'll shake it up next time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I loved the thing. And then when I got back I had the Leatherman the whole time I was a police officer, and then when I stopped being a police officer, that was like right when they introduced the Gerber's. And the Gerber was big money compared to Leatherman, oh, yeah. but I bought it and it was. I liked it. I had the SOG tool for a while, and I had the Gerber, and I just like the Gerber. I think the Gerber's better, but and but the Gerber's tool because every time you break it, or if you break it, you just put it in the box, mail it in, and they'll send you a new one for free.
3: I had for a minute. Nice. My brother Mark brought me a, 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 a. It was actually a Vice Grip one. Yeah. It was. Uh, I remember when you had that Vice Grip one. It was, it pretty, was like. Yeah, I had it for like a week, mm-hmm. two weeks, gone. Yeah, you lost it. One trip to mid-Ohio, I think, and that
1: yeah. was about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Gerber's been good to me, and it was a major part of me courting my wife.
3: <laughs> <laughs> not really? kidding. Tell us i got to hear this story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay. <laughs> Just when you thought you knew everything about Phil Waters.
1: Yeah. Well, when she and I first met, we were first dating. I'm more concerned about the Merit Waters aspect of right. the story. Exactly. <laughs> when we were first dating... She was going to Rutgers in Jersey and traveling back and forth a lot. And she had an old uh, Pontiac Grand Am. And it just kind of was getting the years put on. It had the miles put on it. And at some point, something went bad under the hood of the car. And I jumped out of the car, and I kind of popped the hood. She's standing next to me, and I reach on my belt and snatched open the Gerber tool. And it made that nice noise it makes, right? The switchblade. And my wife later revealed to me, she goes, When I heard that noise and saw you fix the car, I kind of got wet. Wow. <laughs> said, wow. Keep it PG here, folks. She said, Cause I knew that you were a guy that could take care of things. And she wow. goes, that was a major turn on. She goes, because I'd never been with a guy that could take care of things. And uh, she says that, she goes, that was a big point in your book. The fact that you fixed my car and you had the tool to do it on your belt.
2: See, that's, that's why you got to learn how to do the, 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 the easy snap. Yeah. Because you don't want to look you don't want to look for so you don't want to you know, open it up and, and like, then like drop you know, it or like you know okay, there you go yeah no, you got yeah wouldn't looked it wouldn't, if, it wouldn't if look, you don't think I practiced that a thousand thousand times Phil wouldn't be married right now yeah. if he couldn't just snatch it snap, snap it open yeah. so really it changed your life oh it did <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and you know some people might fear that you know quality women might not be interested in a guy with grease under his fingernails but yeah you couldn't get much more grease under your nails than I had back then and somehow I tagged a good one so right really? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Good stuff. No doubt. Hey. But yeah, it's good. Uh, James, today you went to a. Uh, well, I'm gonna. I want to tell you. Don't even tell me where you went because I'm gonna tell you where you went just based on the ad that they put out.
3: <laughs> you went today
1: to Ohio's largest swap meet. Wow, that. You, you that wasn't an ad cause that was in their that was on their website front and center.
0: Ohio's largest swap meet. So apparently they never heard of Mid Ohio. Well, a,
2: or, no. or a hell of a lot of other ones. Yeah, <laughs> actually, uh, the Will Stoner Swap Meet back in September was bigger than this. Yeah, yeah, the one. The, the one and the actually had more content. Right. Um, nice pop. So, I didn't even hear about this swap meet till earlier this week. I was driving past the IX Center and saw the sign, and. Um, I decided to go with was at the IX Center this morning. Uh but so they just kept calling it like an uh, an Autorama. No, that was the auto show. That, that was, was actually show, this right, week.
1: Right. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So
0: this We're is two in two that,
2: different things. Okay. So this
1: is in that little ante room on the side yeah. of the IX Center. Yeah, it's is that like correct?
2: it's like in the annex. The overflow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't even take up the whole thing. It's, really? Okay. It's like kind of just, you know, where you go into the IX Center and they got that middle where all those food booths are? Sure, yeah. It takes up about that much space all the way back. Wow. And not even all the way back, realistically. Do they um, still destroy you on the $8 to park on the ooh, it was, biggest parking lot? It was $8 to park, $10 per person to get in. Oh, and I took Juliana, my, 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 lovely, my lovely girlfriend. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Ten dollars to get into a stairs.
1: It costs you eighteen dollars to spend money.
2: Well, it cost me twenty-eight because I paid for her as well. Okay. Well. Yeah. Um. That's... And then it was so awful. I had to buy me and her each a six-dollar beer. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm into this for you know whatever forty bucks. Forty bucks right now.
1: Yeah. 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 You haven't gotten one of their fantastic deals on uh, dream catchers or a feather mm, earrings. No. Chin.
2: Yeah. If they had dream catchers, I probably would have been impressed. <laughs> It was uh, mainly for the leather fetish crowd really um wow. really felt barkers. like i was felt <laughs> like I was stepping into something that I might have experimented with like six seven years ago <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was it was very v twin uh v twin concentric uh not much going on by way of there was one guy selling a CB 350 that didn't have a tank, side panels, or seat, uh, and the bars were kind of like hanging off of it. Didn't even ask how much he was he was selling it for because. Oh, really? I'd be interested. Yeah, just, you would have just, been interested. Just, right I, would, I would have been interested just to, <laughs> just know, to know, just to know. So he, no. there was
1: a two hundred dollars CB three hundred and fifty there, but we don't know what he was asking for.
2: Probably uh, more. Right. I think he. I think I overheard him say five hundred and fifty bucks wait, or something wait, like that to a guy. Two hundred? I said two hundred. <laughs> now look, we're trying to be, okay. be
0: realistic. Okay, here. Okay. okay,
1: with a title. With a
2: title, yeah. Okay, because <laughs> we
1: know that the one the CB three hundred and sixty that's parked outside mm-hmm. came in at two hundred dollars with a title. With a title. Okay, okay that's good. Exactly.
2: Well, there that's was, but he also had a immaculate CB 360, mm-hmm. original pipes, original paint, and everything that he was asking, I think, 1900 for. So I just did my, my quick was math. Was he an old guy with longer white hair? No, he's no. A, he was he's okay. not. All right, when you say old, I think you're old. That's so he was, was you. about your age. <laughs> <though. laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, okay. he was No, he was he was probably about 40, 41, uh, had a goatee. I, I mean, I've okay. never met this we guy don't know before. Guy. Don't know him. All right. Um, So that was really it. Um, I probably found, like, the best not deal at the show was uh, a 1970 Norton Commando that wasn't even there, you know, couldn't even be bothered to show up. It was just an ad on a guy's table for thirteen hundred bucks. So a piece of paper. Yeah, it was a piece of paper.
1: It was know. worse than the guy walking around the gun show with the papers like tacked to the back of his jacket that yeah. says, you know, Winchester, you know, Remington yeah. eight seventy. Yeah, call, call this know, number, call yeah. His
2: number. That's this, this
3: guy couldn't even be bothered to yeah. put it on somebody's box. But but it's the rest of it was dangerous. too many I mean, too many boxes to haul. Many, <laughs> if you
2: had if you have a a, a late model, Harley Davidson that you needed pipes or a chrome side cover take or oil parts. tank or yeah, mostly takeoff parts. Um, you know, or if you needed uh, patch sewn on your jacket <laughs> or a leather belt <laughs> or tassels to hang off your grips. How about this would have been the tools place for you? That, f- that mounts up on your hand. Oh, plenty of you. that. Oh, lots of that. So or like did chair. you want? Did you want the clasp in brass or silver or? Gold. How about a little leather strap that goes across my gas
3: between tank? my gas tanks? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, they, yeah, have, they those. have those they have
2: those. Oh, and lots of oh. ugly biker chicks. Actually, Juliana was playing the game. Um, couldn't can't decide whether I like the front or back of old biker chicks least. You really know, she couldn't decide which one was uglier the coming or, going? or yeah
1: coming yeah. or going <laughs> or old biker chick. better coming than going yeah better going than i
2: think going. the yeah. the end result was she said i like seeing them from behind because i know they're walking further away from me <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um yeah god bless her she she came and she was didn't have she's got no interest i in, give her and
1: points though for putting
2: up with that crap oh, yeah. i wouldn't even try to take yeah. my life to that yeah yeah well, I had, to, I had to I had to take her out the breakfast before we went. Because you guys went to <laughs> dinner last night too, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's, so you, some, you know, I have
3: to I have to invest you got heavily your girlfriend in, the, time in yeah. this weekend. How about yeah.
2: pricing though?
3: Like, did you look at any Harley stuff just to see like how much they wanted for a wheel or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, because honestly, that's the thing. Like, was you it
1: really... paid eighteen dollars to be there and see all the same inventory that Smitty's Harley Davidson has on the shelf
2: right now. Uh, all right. Well, a lot, okay, a lot of it is uh, show chrome stuff they bought from Parts Unlimited. That's a lot of the stuff I saw. Oh, so it's people just, Parts Unlimited dealers taking stuff. Taking stuff to a place and selling that crap. And honestly, knowing, like.
1: Parts Unlimited drag specialties for people that don't know the, yeah, Mm -hmm. don't know the. Name. Drag Specialties is. Drag Specialties unlimited. is Parts Unlimited. Same oh, okay. Just just those, if you go
0: to your Harley dealer. That's their cool name. Well, they if you call go it your Harley dealer and they
1: hand you the big giant catalog, right. they're going to hand you the Drag Specialties catalog. It's kind of. if you're, You shouldn't be a dealer if you're not carrying Drag Specialties right. slash Parts Unlimited. But it's the uh, same shit that's in the.
0: It is. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, okay. It's the same stuff,
2: yeah. But, anyways, yeah, the prices were probably about, I'd say, 20 to 30% over what I would be able to walk in. To a, a to brick a and mortar store and buy, right. no. buy the stuff for. So this wasn't even a scrappy Harley. No, I mean, no, it wasn't. I mean, wasn't there was a lot of that it wasn't there like, 18 know, like,
3: bucks to pay more.
2: Yeah, 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 it was it was there was I mean, there was a lot of guys trying to sell there was like one Har- Harley Panhead that had obviously been caught on fire at one point that a guy mm-hmm. was selling for 1600 bucks but right god only know what the hell are you going to get into buying that thing yeah no you kidding know?
1: and once it's been in the fire over a certain amount of time nothing will be straight
2: yeah you, so. exactly so it's you know getting into and i was i was really kind of hoping and this is where i, I want to get your guys' opinion of some an event like this they've obviously sought out these mm-hmm. um to use a fill word gigaw dealers right these <laughs> these people that just sell Everything but the bike. Yeah, yeah. They sell stuff. Right.
1: Uh, a lot of that's, plastic, chrome. I mean, if I want that, I'll go on eBay. Right. Exactly. And, you know. No. So the only people that were here were people that don't understand eBay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Really? Well, yeah, and there was a lot of f- fucking old guys. Right. Um. Now, could something like this exist in like outside of AMA Vintage Days? Because right. obviously that's our mecca. Right. Yeah. But. Something like this exists, like could, if we got involved, or like, you know, a more vintage-oriented, more, not so much, you know, more metric guys or more wetworth guys got involved, could we take this event, this swap meet that they do every year, and kind of make it something better? you know can we call these people and say hey next year why don't you get a hold of us we'll get you they did 10 more vendors i mean you know what
1: happened 2 years ago they tried they, did. they tried aggressively to get us to come into the show the problem was for me to have a booth there was $500 and that show lasts from 11am until what 4 or 5pm yeah so am i going to spend $500 to rent a 10 by 10 it's like 100 bucks an hour haul all my crap in for 5 or 6 hours maximum and then haul everything out and I, got to, I have to sell stuff, like you said,
2: over MSRP mm-hmm. to compensate me for the four or $500 yes. I'm paying to
1: be there, plus well, be, my staff to be there.
2: What I saw is a lot of people, like myself, I, I honestly did not go with there with hopes of buying anything. Right. Like, I, I kind of held out hopes for buying a set of pipes for uh, CB750. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe. Just, I might find something.
1: No, you need to go to the unicorn show for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: well... Anyways, um, but like, okay, how about if there was something like this where there was no pay to play, right? Would people be interested in doing that, right? And that's... if, if, say, if there was just a big open warehouse where I said, bring your shit, bring your garage, empty it out, and do it in the winter, it's free, time. we'll do it in the wintertime. You just bring out all your shit, sell it, we'll have a party. Right. Well,
0: you know, uh, Dizzy, down at Cranky's, was talking about doing that all last year Mm -hmm. on uh, like Saturdays or Sundays at Cranky's, roping off the back park and not bring your stuff down and some hipster flea market bullshit. Have a swap meet. (laughs) The, The real problem is
1: for most people, Summer is so crowded already, and especially anybody who's going to be a vendor. If right. you're a vendor in the motorcycle industry, summertime every weekend's booked. Right. So we need events that are in the winter time to get people out of their caves, pump some sunshine into them, get them into an environment where they can say, "Okay, it's a parts jumble." I mean, it's a traditional English parts yeah, jumble. Yeah. Auto where jumble. We're going into a going into a warehouse, we're going to take over this warehouse for the weekend, or you know, and literally hit the thing from ever- seven o'clock in the morning until eight o'clock at night. And make some deals.
2: Yeah, and that's and that's what I mean. Like, uh, obviously, during the summer, we already have those events. We got Will Stoner vintage days. Has
1: yeah the one that we went to in November. You know, yeah. and that was actually, I think that that event could have been a great event. And Will Stoner always does good events. The thing with the uh, what I think it didn't get great
2: attendance is I think that it wasn't virally marketed yeah there's no advertisement because guys like will stoner no offense analog yeah these you know we're in a digital age and he's analog analog. he doesn't know how to use Mm -hmm. the interwebs to his advantage
1: right and i think that if it got onto more more facebook sites if it got onto more you know i think we could make this happen
2: well i'm not talking about like i mean mean, we've all got a lot on our plates
1: every time we meet every time we get together We're gonna have the little yeah we got to do that badge, right? (laughs) Because it turns into that, and you have to be careful because years and years and years ago, when we when everybody that had a scooter said, "I need to have my own scooter club," and there was fifty seven different scooter clubs popping up over the, I think one year I was a member of eight different clubs. Okay, everything from like the funky spunk monkeys to the vasectomy scooter club to whatever. You know, there was just a different (laughs) club for everything. Oh, you're over forty years old, you're in this club, right? But it turns into a lot of that. Yeah, we got to do that. And a big part of being successful is really keeping your keeping your angle of attack so narrow that you can have a mods versus rockers on your plate and put the time and effort in this to really yeah. make it rock and really yeah and that's
2: and it. that's i'm not i'm not trying to say let's All let's right. do this like immediately, but um just going to this event and seeing like okay and that's i mean not to beat a dead horse, but that's why we went that's why we started the mods and rockers event was because the Harley guys already had their shit. So the Harleys guys got their swap meet. They've got that under control. We Mm -hmm. don't have to even cater to them. Right. But I would love for someone to do something like this for a vintage, you know vintage culture So so like
0: a swap meet
2: for Vintage, or,
0: for for what we're
2: in, and it doesn't even necessarily, you know, vendors are obviously going to be welcome mm-hmm, because right. vendors, you know, pay the bills. Mm-hmm. But if you make it a free for all event where any guy can bring his stuff, somebody out there has, has to have space. a parking lot or a right. yard or mm-hmm. something or big enough to house this. Get, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I'm 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 sitting here. and I'm thinking I might
1: I might own this challenge. Okay. There you go. That's, I might, want, I might
0: want to own this challenge. And if
1: anybody out there on podcast land wants to help out or has a warehouse, if you got 20,000 square feet you're sitting on yeah. that you only have, you know... A minimum use of. We'll need it for one, when are we thinking about days. doing this? One
0: or two days, yeah. yeah. exactly. You you want to do this in the winter months, right? <clears> oh, that'd be ideal. Yeah. So, so I've got like a year to plan.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'd say I'd say late yeah. November, early December. Okay. And if that'd anybody be wants
0: to
1: help out, get in touch with us. On, Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to own this one. Okay. I, I
0: think I'm going to own this one. Yep. I'm going to I'm going to make a website for it. I'm going to do all that shit. Then yeah. see, that's what we need. That's the way it would be. You want to take over the
2: mods and rockers thing too? No.
0: That's your baby. That sucks. But I, I think the the giant swap meet, I, I want to swap, can, swap meet where there are sad. tarp sales. I love their, tarp sales. Yeah, tarp sales. I want, I want
3: great. you know, I want, and like, Boar Cycle to show up in here. Here's the seat tarp. Here's right. the tank tarp. Anything I miss the, tarp, $20. Yeah, tarp. I love tarp tarps tarps sales. Tarps where it's just like, oh, yeah. here's a pile of gas tanks. Pick which one you think you want, you mm-hmm. know, like. Middle High great for that. That's really
2: is. what I was expecting. Middle High was thing.
3: better for that yeah. before eBay came along. Sure was. yeah. Now guys think they can you, know, you can get more for it on eBay, but there's still a lot of that at Mid Ohio. That, that's right. why I love eBay. Mid-Ohio, technically like. fucked up everything. Here's a tarp full of side panels. If you can find your side
1: yeah, panel, how easy is it for you to find parts for your
3: motorcycle? now? It's amazing. Yeah. It's
1: amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah, so yeah. This coming about, from the guy dis- that yeah, built the motorcycle don't off talk eBay. About how eBay. It's fucked it's, up everything, man. It's not
0: easy for oh. me to sell shit on eBay. How much did you pay eBay, for those though? forks on your bike <laughs> exactly. off eBay? Five bucks. Exactly. Exactly. That's But but when I want to sell parts on eBay, it kind of sucks. it's like. You gotta take go I, I, I've got a garage full of parts that, you know, I have people coming up to me going like, well, dude, just put that on eBay. And I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> right, forget it. Well,
2: that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I I know just four guys that research. just so happen to be in this room that have a shitload of Junk in their garage. Mm-hmm. Right. Could, if I put it on eBay, I'll just have to buy it back later. Exactly, on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. pretty
3: yeah. much. Yeah, going to have
0: to buy it back at Mid Ohio. Yeah. Well, that's I'm I'm saving half that stuff
1: for Mid Ohio this year. Just going to
0: bring it down in bins and whatever people will give me for it. Yeah, good.
1: The one thing that I'd love to chat about. Dustin brought up a couple of there. Uh, there are loads of hot button topics that if you ever watch any forums, people love to drag into the ground. In fact, every year I think I post on our local forum. Uncle Phil's Guide to Octane, and I think I post <laughs> yeah. Uncle Phil's Guide to Oil, and I think I post Uncle Phil's Guide to Tire Pressure. Mm-hmm. But there are forum FAQs that, that just will never go away, and they're, they're older than the Ford and Chevy battle. Everybody has an opinion of the right way to break in a motor. Everybody has their opinion on Octane. Uh, but one of the, I think that just in the interest of being uh, springtime and that a lot of people are waking their bikes up and uh, going out and riding, the one thing that I noticed when I look in these owner's manuals, a lot of the new bikes will specifically say in the manual, okay, it's got to have 94 octane. Okay, well, 94. 94, okay. Can you still buy that? Where can you
3: buy no, that? Snowboard. Yeah,
0: <laughs> snowboard snowboard is that it, right? so, so you're screwed unless you find a Sonoco to go. Yeah,
2: well, oh, you got to take a five gallon gas drum with you. Yeah. Right, yeah, that's that's true. Exactly. <laughs> but no,
1: uh, honestly, your your owner's manual is lying to you. And it's not actually lying to you, but what's happening is you're just going into the game with half of the information. But, Phil, why would they lie to us? Why would they lie to us? I'm supposed to get my bike serviced every 600 miles. It says so in the manual. And your dealer thanks you. (laughs) Oh, uh, shit. Be realistic about your bikes. The standard hip pocket rule of thumb for Octane is if your bike or car is not pre-detonating, use the lowest Octane available. Octane, to put it in gentleman's terms can be loosely called the resistance to detonation of any fuel. And the best graphic example I can give you is if you take a pie pan of gasoline that's 87 octane and a pie pan of gasoline that's 94 octane, you put them on the floor of your garage and you approach each one of them with a lit match, the 87 octane will detonate further away than the 94 octane. Disclaimer, do not try this at home. Do not do this. Do not sue us. Right. (laughs) Shoot a bottle rocket Right. This is just a graphic example. (laughs) Yeah, much better. Shoot a bottle rocket. So the gas is formulated to have a greater resistance to octane the higher the number, and the number comes from an old thing that was called the anti-knock index because old cars, over time, valves would go out of adjustment, heads would leak, air would get into the motor, and when the air would come in, actually air in your motor makes it run hotter. And to lower the temperatures in our cylinders, we would put higher octane gas. So if your car was knocking or it was running on after you turned the key off in the 60s, 50s, and 70s, the solution for that was to put more expensive gas in, higher octane gas in it. Which back then, uh, they increased the octane with lead. Well, lead was actually always there as a lubricant. But then they would use things like cetane and later on toluene and other octane modifiers, and these octane modifiers were put in to sort of artificially pump the octane number up on normal, uh, what would regular be a regular chemical composition of gasoline.
2: So now you put that's these what they
3: get.
1: The octane in. boosters. Now. Octane boosters. Exactly. Yeah. Right.
3: The best octane booster being water. Like,
1: uh, uh. ironically, <laughs> yes. And, and John brings up a point that's known by old diesel mechanics mm-hmm. that water, because of the the hydrogen chain of water, H2O because there's two hydrogens and one oxygen. Uh, It's an old diesel mechanics trick. If you've got an old vehicle there that needs to have the heads cleaned, one of the Hail Marys was to spray some water through an atomizer bottle or a spray bottle into the intake track of a diesel. And what it would do is it would crank up the octane and the diesel fuel going in, and it would burn out all the carbon deposits inside the motor. It's uh, actually pretty dangerous. Uh, And it can scatter a motor while you're spraying it to explosive results. Now, in motorcycles and things like that, run the octane that your bike will run best on without knocking or pinging. And if you ever heard knocking and pinging in a a two-stroke motorcycle or even a four-stroke, it sounds like you've actually distributed some pennies somewhere down in the bottom of your motorcycle or your scooter. It's kind of like ting-ting-ting-ting-ting-ting-ting-ting. It doesn't sound like ping-ping-ping. Like it would in a V8 car, it actually sounds like a tink 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 tink, like a tinkle of metallic objects, like a loose chain or something. That's usually the sound of pre detonation. If you're experiencing pre detonation, try running higher octane fuel, or see your local mechanic because you really probably have a problem. You're leaking air somewhere for you're some gonna reason. Hold that piston, right? Yeah, and you <laughs> you'll only hear that sound for a while, and then you then you hear a bang followed by a. <sighs> Uh, Or the sound of birds chirping. (laughs) The sound of birds chirping usually means there's a hole in it. So with your octane, uh, now we're going to talk about why your owner's manual is lying to you. There are two methods of determining octane number. One is the R-O-N and the other is the M-O-N. Some countries use the R-O-N exclusively and some countries use the M-O-N exclusively. Now... In the United States, we use an average between the two numbers. So next time you're pumping gas in your bike or your car, look at the pump, and it will say 87 octane, R, M, slash 2. And what that means is they're adding the research number, R plus M slash 2. They're adding the research number to the M number, the mechanical number, and they're dividing it by 2. So they're giving you an average between the RON number and the MON number, Okay. When you're looking at your owner's manual for a Japanese motorcycle or a European motorcycle, it's going to have a higher octane number. Sometimes, in fact, a lot of these manuals for bikes and cars that specify a higher grade of gas because they have a higher cylinder compression, they're going to need a 98 octane fuel. Well, 98 octane in the European system really does translate in our system to about a 91 or a 92. So, you're not buying the wrong gas, and you're not going to damage your vehicle. And there's also this rumor that, oh, well, over in Europe, I went, to, you know, I went to England last year, and I was putting gas in the rental car, and they didn't even sell 87-octane gas. Their lowest octane gas they sold was you know, 91-octane. So they've got hotter gas over there. No, they don't have any hotter gas. Their low-grade gas is the same low-grade gas that we get. They just have a different method of measuring the octane number. So if your bike will run fine on 87 octane, we have done loads of testing, and not just us, but BP and every fuel and Lubrizol and every company that makes their money selling additives has tested out fuel. You will get not a single horsepower number higher on a dynamometer running 94 octane through your bike than you will at 87 octane. It just doesn't work that way. If you are going to run a high compression motor, you're going to overbuild your motor. If you're going to make it into a higher compression motor. If you're gonna alter the timing to fire that spark plug at a point where the piston is higher and therefore the fuel is under higher compression, then you do have to start using higher octane fuel or you will pre-detonate. So simply put, if you've got a tuned motor or your motor is under a high heat, high stress application, then it is okay to run a higher octane fuel to help counter the effects of cylinder pressure and heat.
2: Now, Phil, is there a disservice to running higher octane fuel in a bike that doesn't call for it?
1: Absolutely. And this is where we get into our guys that are just trying to. I only want the best for my baby. We hear that all the time. People come in and they go, "Yeah, well, you're well, much I like just my throwing baby. away money." Well, you're doing yeah. two things, really. One is you're <clears throat> making the the oil companies really happy. I love making. Isn't them that great? Happy. You know, they mm-hmm. need more money, right? Uh, obviously. But really, what you're doing is you're actually altering. And this is going to sound crazy, but bear with me. You're altering the timing of your vehicle. Okay? You're chemically altering the timing of your vehicle. The computer or your points in your vehicle, whether you have a fuel-injected vehicle or a points-carbureted uh, vehicle, is set to go off at a certain time. Your spark is set to fire at a certain particular time. Now, that is all based on the appropriate fuel for the vehicle. When you start changing the formulation of that and you start putting high-octane fuel in, What then you are doing is you are chemically retarding your timing. Because now instead of that thing firing at 18 degrees before top dead center, now, in fact, it's going to have to turn further. The crank will turn further. The piston will go higher before it actually sets off the explosion. Because high-octane gas has a greater resistance through detonation and compression. Makes sense. So now we've just messed with our timing of
3: our vehicle. So the spark will happen. Yes, the spark will happen. And ignition will happen. Right. But the time it takes, because lower octane fuel burns hotter faster, exactly. Higher octane burns slower. It's actually going to take a longer amount of time before it actually lights up. That's exactly. So right. the spark hasn't changed. No, the it's spark still timing happening is the same, same. time, But the amount of the time flash that, it, over, that it takes to right. flash to for exactly. it to actually fire up yeah. is changing.
1: Right. That's taking longer, yeah. and that's actually occurring later, and that will give you the same effect as if you then further retarded your timing. Now. All of modern motorcycles.
2: Now, are you allowed to say retard on the radio?
1: Um, yeah, we. Could, <laughs> yeah, well, we can well, say. If, if we're not saying retard as further a, challenged you know, your timing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: a special needs timing, right? <laughs> so uh, yeah, they, they have to put the have to put your motor in
0: special classes. And, and by the way, James, we're not on the radio, right? No, well, whatever, the FCC. You know what I meant. The FCC has no government over. Well, well, All case, I know is shit. Fuck them, it. Right, according there to iTunes. <laughs>
1: Uh, this podcast is explicit and I'm going to make sure that we're explicit every it, single and week. And if
0: God fucking damn well
1: says so. Better be explicit. On every episode. Whoa, so,
3: that's racy. Yeah. Hey. That's so, right. and
1: if anybody has any comments or questions, uh, please, and if you're a, uh, if you're a chemical engineer and you'd like to give me some more insight, if, you, if you're if you hearing what I'm saying and, and yelling at your radio right now...
2: Yeah, please prove Phil wrong.
1: Please, do. I mean, this is it. That's how I learn things. I mean, I learn by getting people
3: to give me great I, information. I think, too, if you really want to worry about your fuel, mm-hmm. forget about even worrying about the octane. Start worrying about how much ethanol is in there. Yes, Start true. worrying about oxygenated fuels, which... Right. Actually, if it's oxygenated fuel, you actually should rejet. Like, if you're running... Oh, uh, yeah. You, you know, well, like, you yeah. know, you're running... If there's oxygen in the fuel, and then with oxygenated fuels, how long does it last? That's, right. I think, the big reason why modern mm-hmm. fuels don't last as well in storage. Correct. Because they're already oxygenated, so they're going to respire while they're in storage, and your fuel is going to go bad. If
1: quicker. your fuel... With the current blends of fuel that we're burning, and the current... I mean, I, I hate to say it this way, but the junk they're selling us, there's 20% less gas in your gas than there was 10 years ago. So between oxygenation, uh, ethanol, methyl tetra, oh God, I always get this wrong, but it's not methyl, methyl tertiary butyl ethylene, MTBE. You like the way to pull that Say that again. Methyl tertiary butyl ethylene. (laughs) Benzene. Um, With all these things that are in your fuel, these are taking the place that gas used to be. And as we did that, a lot of these components and these uh, chemical recipes, that are in your fuel are there to pump up the octane that we lost when we started putting ethanol and we started putting uh, oxygen in the fuel. And our gas doesn't last. Gas used to last two, three, four years. Your gas was still gas. We can tell you at the workshop that we'll pull fuel out of a bike that's 30, 60, 90 days old, Mm -hmm. and it smells like varnish, and it doesn't run right. And a lot of the problems that we've found with bikes that come in on complaints, a fresh tank of gas, and they run they run considerably better
2: well so. i know that looking at a lot of the 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 forums for two stroke scooters and everything that modern fuels are just eating seals oh god and yeah. what i mean is that is that's because of ethanol and stuff like that correct like this didn't happen like i remember like you used to be able to pull <laughs> a, an old vespa out of a barn you know that's been sitting for 25 years Yeah, and you and you know you could still get it to run, but now if a a bike's been sitting for three, four years, the rubber is falling apart. The
1: rubber is falling apart, and all those things weren't safe for modern fuels. And if you're going to rebuild a carburetor, make sure that you're using elements and using rubber items in your carburetor that haven't been sitting in a bag for 30 years, because those things aren't going to be safe for modern day fuels. Yeah. So use modern, uh, like Viton. I heard Viton works really good, actually. Viton's uh, one of those things if you're going to put fuel lines on your bike and you want them to last a long time, you can use that. That product is going to cost you another $2
2: for a four-feet of fuel line. And that's with the modern seal kits. it's it'll work fine. You add add $4, and you get the Viton seals, and Mm. apparently that's going to... It's going to help you a lot. Another thing that we do want to talk about, and I'm not a tree hunter. Just uh, holding on to the uh, the
0: Octane thing here. Uh, One of the things that we didn't quite mention Mm -hmm. was that there's that common misperception that, Higher octane means cleaner, oh, cleaner burning too. fuel, right? Yeah, excellent. Right. Yeah, you know, right. that's that's a huge thing, and right. and, and and I have seen right. the the gas companies, right. you know, Sunoco, whoever. I don't want to, you know, actually name one of them. But, it's talking about you the, just th- said Sunoco. Right yeah, yeah, you I did, I did. Sunoco, BP, them. Shell. The okay, there we go. Covered. I'm covered. No way, sponsor this podcast. But they they seem to mention, like, put our clean-burning 94-octane fuel
1: in your car. They're detergent packages. Yeah, as as if those fuels burned cleaner. Right. Or they, in fact, contained a detergent in them that, in fact, when you paid for the high-grade fuel you were getting some sort of a detergent in the fuel that you weren't getting when you purchased their 87-octane right. fuel. Right, and it's completely right.
3: it's not completely true. That's it's right.
1: it's, it's yeah. complete fallacy. Yeah.
0: There
3: are supposed to be uh, stations that have non-ethanol gas. Right. And I think there's a webpage called purefuel.com Pure fuel, or right. something like that. Exactly. where There are a couple around here, like out in Chardon and stuff like that. But
1: Western Reserve, if you're an uh, Eastsider, Uh, Western Reserve has, I think, maybe one or two gas stations over there, and one is in Chardon. And that's one of their things is that for people that have performance motors or vintage motors, they swear by those guys because they don't use the oxygenated fuel. However, I think that, and I could be wrong, and please tell me if I am, I'm pretty sure that those standards, those oxygenation standards, are not established by the station themselves. They're established by the federal government or the state government says how much much fuel has to be oxygenated.
2: Now, there's, I mean, I remember when we were going on our cross-country trip, and yeah. this is kind of to digress a little, but we tried ethanol fuel for one we tank did. of gas. We did. And we had. We had, yeah,
1: <laughs> We learned. Uh, we bought some corn fuel when we were going through Iowa. Because, yeah. well, was that it was... When in Rome. Hey, E85, why not? And we were you driving. know? <laughs> and, we were and that was a
3: flex-fuel vehicle?
1: Yeah. We're Oh, driving yeah. a Toyota Sienna, a brand-new Toyota Sienna van, totally a flex-fuel vehicle, you know, authorized in which to do it. And by the way, don't put E85 fuel in your vehicle. If it's not approved to run flex fuel, it will bugger it up. The uh, That 85 is the highest concentration of ethanol that they're allowed, 15% ethanol in the fuel. And that's 15% before you add the 10% oxygenation and the MTBE package or the additive package that's going into it. Now, we did it and we were getting like clockwork because fortunately the type of trip we were running we were maintaining very su- sustained speeds we knew that that sienna van would turn in about a 420 mile range on a tank of fuel yeah and when we filled up was this the uh, the badass this badass cross country oh nice when we filled up in iowa conditions were exactly the same enough that i feel confident in saying this we went from 420 miles on the average tank of fuel to 320 miles. Yeah, we a lost 100 fuel. miles. We lost geez. 100 miles. Yeah, no, it was a little bit cheaper, right. but... <laughs> yeah, it, was, uh, it ended up being 15 cents per gallon cheaper out yeah. of the pump. But we ended up losing 100 miles worth of fuel. And even if you figure that vehicle is getting 25 miles per gallon, that's four gallons extra we had to purchase. Yeah. Well, 15 cents per gallon does not equal four free gallons of fuel. So it was an absolute loss leader. And at the end of the day, what you should really be concerned about is how much fuel are you consuming? Running E85, we would be consuming a minimum of four extra gallons per tank full of fuel to go the same distance. So for every 420-mile travel, we'd have to spend an extra four gallons on fuel. Well, then my, the fuel efficiency of my vehicle, well, I would ha- you know, if I think I, you know, my Tundra is a flex fuel vehicle. You will never catch me putting E85 in it because I don't want to sacrifice 25% of my fuel economy. No, yeah. Right? To save 15 cents per gallon because it's a, it's, it's a loss leader. You know, you're giving up a yeah, but of 15 Yeah, those are the cents. things you
2: don't hear you about. You don't hear about it. Yeah, they just
1: right. tell you it's cheaper. Right. The gallon of gas is cheaper, but if I'm gonna use four more gallons of gas and gas is three dollars a gallon, that's twelve dollars. Yeah. Well I saved a dollar fifty by putting E eighty five in it. Yeah. You know. I well, saved a buck fifty, but it cost me twelve dollars in reduction in mileage. What they're banking on is uh the, the majority
0: of the public right. that are like Yes. Yeah, that are not like you. Yeah. I mean I I've, I've traveled with you quite a bit and I see how you write down every gas stop you write you, you do the numbers right most people just shove the thing in the car they fill it up they drive and they go hell yeah I say. 50 I know the mileage
1: going. in the vehicles that I drive down to a tenth you know a mile per like 0.1 of a mile per gallon because I keep track of that because that tells me how my vehicle's going that'll tell me if I need a new air filter much faster than the kid at the quickie lube opening my hood and taking a look at it please tell me you don't take your car to quickie lube no i don't all right we actually sometimes on the trip like yeah
2: yeah, sometimes trip, you have to. To. yeah we're doing yeah, yeah we're
1: doing like six thousand miles, yeah, miles around six thousand miles round trip you know we had to we had to get a service <laughs> Gotta in stop at least oh once. my god yeah. i can
0: only imagine you and james at a quickie lube how
2: bad you would fucking cane those guys
1: Actually, i got to tell you. I the, used to work at one, right. so I'm, James James I'm pretty okay
2: with it. <laughs> yes, so. I mean, it's yeah. it's kind of fucking, you know, you get raped. You yeah, know, right. But.
1: And you really have to be careful because, you know, that's your, on any vehicle you own, that's your life's blood. But when you're 6,000 miles, you know, when you've got a 6,000-mile round trip ahead of you, um, maintenance of your vehicle becomes life and death, especially yeah. if we're going through Death Valley and things like that. You yeah. don't want to have anything break on your phone. Yeah, and,
2: and, and having worked at one, I know that... Sometimes you know plugs don't get pulled. <laughs> you know oil filters don't get changed. You know mm-hmm. maybe you just let that one pass because it's right. a Jaguar and you don't have the filter and you don't even want to deal with it.
1: Right. So you, you take know. their twenty nine
2: ninety five yeah. or whatever and you yeah, send them, on their, way you, and and you send them on their way. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's good for another three thousand miles. It'll be fine. Who who changes their oil every three thousand miles? Those people are silly. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I
0: I actually had to go to one of those damn places. Uh, Year or so ago, you know, my wife and I were taking off on a trip down to Dayton. I, I desperately needed an oil change. I just didn't have time to do it myself. So it's like, ah, we got to pull in. We got to do this. And man, it was, it was just an onslaught of people. Like, you oh, know, yeah. like, well, it's NASCAR pit hey, crew. Yeah. bay, hey, well, bay well, one,
1: good. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And,
3: and they're just they're whatever. trying
2: to sell you everything off the wall there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You sure you don't want to trans flesh with that? Yeah, you, oh, I know. What the fuck is a trans flush. Yeah, I, don't I want you to oil, drain oil. my <laughs> transmission oil. I want you to put new transmission yeah. oil in there, not a flush. Has anybody <laughs> ever
1: heard the term, if you can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they're banking on. Mm-hmm. It's a 97-point inspection for just $33. Oh, you know
0: they were like, oh, I see your car has uh, 70,000 miles on it. You know, it's kind of a high mileage Do you want us to change meal. the cabin air filter? Yeah, that's a, that's a high mileage well, vehicle. We should uh, do this high mileage treatment for your oil. I'm like, yeah. 70,000 miles is high mileage
2: on a Subaru? Are you fucking kidding me? Well, that no. was uh, the, the best thing about it is they keep track. If you've mm-hmm. gone to one, yeah,
0: they know Yeah, you're in the system. So
2: say you like skip a couple oil changes and you right. go back. They just read off a list, oh, well, shit, he hasn't been here in 12,000 miles. Right. Oh, well, you obviously need our fuel, uh, blah, 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 and mm-hmm. our, yeah. oh, we got to add this to your oil and run your car, because you haven't been, you haven't had an oil change in 12,000 miles. Well, they they just kind of forget that it, you can a go monkey other places. can yeah, do man. an oil change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: You might have had your oil change somewhere else. Well, in modern technology, lets you get away with it, uh, Tom and Ray Maliazzi from Car Talk yeah. took a... Uh, I don't know how they came across it, and, and I'm going to sound like an idiot telling the story, and I'm sure I've gotten it wrong. But they took, I think it was a Dodge Caravan. that came Yeah, it out, was. Dodge okay? Caravan. Mm-hmm. And they, they just ran it. And they used it as a neighborhood runabout vehicle, pick, take people home, pick them up, go get parts here, go get parts there. And I think they logged something like twenty-five or 30,000 miles on it. They never changed the oil. All they did was add the requisite amount of oil when it would show low on the stick. Okay, so never changing the oil adding a little bit when it needed it that was it run 25 30,000 miles on the vehicle and give it up and at the end of the thing it was an informal test but at the end of it they said everything checked out goods motor still had compression totally good they don't think it took any life off the vehicle the vehicle was 100 plus thousand mile vehicle to start with so modern vehicles are more resistant to that they're 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 more tough they're more res, they're, they're more resilient because they do run cleaner than our old vehicles where yeah, you don't our have... filtration system in the older vehicles yeah. was pretty terrible. Yeah, you don't have cars burning oil so much yeah. anymore. And it, back to bring this back to motorcycles. A car runs at five thousand, six thousand RPM if it's a screamer. Okay, my motorcycle runs at five thousand RPM before I get to the corner of my street. Okay, and when I'm when I'm really getting into it, she's at fourteen, fifteen thousand RPM. So, I have that feeling that that oil should be changed hourly. Okay. <laughs> uh, I know what I'm doing to my oil. And that brings up that old debate between, you know, mineral oil, dinosaur oil versus synthetic oils. And that goes on and on and on too. And a lot of our manufacturers are sending us vehicles from the factory now with synthetic oil in them. Harley-Davidson was the one. I couldn't believe when Harley-Davidson started shipping motorcycles with synthetic in it. Because for years we heard about, you got to break it in on dinosaur oil, run it for 1,000 miles, 1,200 miles, and then switch to synthetics. Well. Viscosity is viscosity is viscosity. A 10W40 oil is a 10W40 oil. I don't care if it's dinosaur or soybean or synthetic. Okay? <laughs> uh, you laugh when I said soybean, but in the two, in two-stroke world, we used to run bean oil. Yeah, yeah. Okay? yeah. Um, that was something that was real popular. And we used to have surface gaps. Like, dapp- like Mexican you know, oil. Surface gap you know. dapp- spark plugs, too, and all kinds of fun stuff. But the... Uh, But whatever type of oil you're running, it's the same oil. What they're really talking about is they're talking about the thermal breakdown of oil. They're talking about what happens to oil, and synthetic oils do tend to resist that better than dinosaur oils do. Because synthetic oils themselves are not really a fuel, whereas a 10W40 dinosaur oil is on its way to becoming a fuel. Mm -hmm. And the longer you run it in your motor, it's sort of simulating a refinery in there, and it's becoming a fuel. So you smell that dipstick. And people say, you know, you smell the dipstick, if it smells smokier, or it smells burnt up, that oil's done. I don't care how many miles are on it. Don't take the word of the guy that sold you the motorcycle. Change the oil. You know, I don't care if it's got a sticker on it says oil oh, was changed 500 miles ago. Oil's cheap. Put some fresh oil in it. It's a crime these days to experience a motor failure due to oil. You know, you yeah, have no. no sympathy for me. If no, you bring sure, a, yeah. your bike into my shop and I pull the dipstick out and it's dry... Oh, my God, how did you let this happen? When was the last time you looked at that? Dipsticks are so easy to get to. They have sight glasses on the side of the motor, for Christ's
3: sake. Although it's amazing. Like uh, some of the bikes that have come in yeah. where you pull the drain plug and it's just barely enough to fill the bottom of the yeah. pan. Yeah, the ba- and the yeah. And bike, the bike was running. I mean, Bottom there was...
1: of the pan's full of sludge, but the motor's still run great. Yeah. So was... that gives a real nod to modern engineering practices that a motor can run with that hint of oil in it or that vapor of oil in it. So really, uh, you know, hats off to those guys. And Slick 50 and all those things that you know, contain Teflon and all that stuff, that's mostly snake oil. And I think everybody's proven that out at this point. Oh, you're still buying snake it, you know. oil. Yeah. Probably yeah. old and My fool. personal
3: feeling is as long as you can keep it filled <laughs> with <Yeah>. something, right. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. yeah. fine. It'll work for you. It really will. Keep it filled with something slippery. Yeah.
1: And mm-hmm. Good. And they do run great. And a lot of people are going to weigh in about, oh, well, I use Mobile One or I use Royal Purple or I use Amsoil or I use Rotella. And it's been proven to be better for this. And, well, everybody who's trying to sell you something is going to have a wonderful yeah. argument about why you should use their yeah. product. And that's their job. They're trying to sell you something. Ultimately, yeah. at the end of the day, I've never seen a motor seize on 99-cent quart oil oil. True, True. right? Probably I mean, it works. It's oil. It's lubricating. Provided the fact that it's still young enough to have lubrication properties in it, as long as it's getting to where it
2: needs to go, we're done. Well, yeah, you get a lot of these guys out there that spend six, seven dollars on a quart of oil. <laughs> six or goes, seven? <laughs> are you kidding me? Twenty one to twenty
1: five dollars on a quart of oil for uh the Mo Tools. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I and synthetics, yeah. yeah twenty one bucks a quart.
2: Yeah, but I mean like what are, what are you getting there? Peace How much life are you trying to get out here? Right. You?
1: Yeah. It's a prophylactic measure. I'm basically ensuring that nothing's going to happen
3: because I only want what's best for my baby.
2: Yeah, I did too well, but synth- does money mean better? No, it Th-
3: doesn't. Absolutely not Technically, when you run a synthetic, you're supposed to run it longer, though, too. Like, you're supposed yeah. to go uh, uh, 5,000 as opposed to 3,000 right. or whatever. You know, like, you're actually supposed to get more you lifetime. You can get
1: a lot more lifetime out of the... The synthetic oils, and that was basically to satisfy the needs of the diesel trucking
3: industry. And that might be fine for cars mm. and or scooters that have a variator, but if you have an old motorcycle right. with a wet clutch, mm-hmm. forget it. Do not put one drop of synthetic oil in it and ever. It's, and it depends on the clutch. I, too. Was,
0: I was actually just going to bring that up. Yeah, like
3: yeah, there's they not. they
1: have the special motorcycle oil right. now for wet clutch. Exactly, they have synthetics that are blended for wet clutch applications. What the fuck is with that? Well, I, that's, that's where is, you get is into the more marketing. it oil? It's where you get into the marketing of the yeah. oil companies. When we had uh, when synthetic oil first became popular, we had a, a particular wet clutch bike, and we're not going to name it, but uh, customers who wanted to get the best for their baby. What does it rhyme with? Hajaj. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but customers wanted their best for their baby, so everybody went out and put uh, synthetic in them. And as soon as they put synthetic in them, their clutches almost immediately quit working. So and it was it was one of those things that it was like you couldn't have run a test better. Because a lot of motorcycles will have a 13-plate or sixteen-plate clutch in it. So they'll have a resistance to this shearing effect. And it'll be a long time before you see it, because the motorcycle has an abundance of horsepower and it's under tasked so that you're not gonna notice the clutch slipping under normal driving conditions. When you take a 150cc motor, basically a Kawasaki motor, that's 150cc, and you put synthetic oil in it, shared oil, wet clutch and crankcase, synthetic oil goes in, every single time you leave a light, you are asking for 100% of that bike's potential energy. You're asking for all of its horsepower and torque every time you leave a light. You're caning it just to get going, because it's 150cc. And it was like right now. Guys would do an oil change on their own, go to ride, you know, to warm the bike up after the oil change, and wouldn't be able to make it down the street. So it was this perfect (laughs) testing scenario, whereas a guy with a Harley or a guy with, you know, another type of bike might not notice it. On this particular bike, 150cc, they were noticing it immediately immediately. And it's just because where the bike is designed is a place where synthetic oil would never be considered being used. They don't even talk about it in the owner's manual because it's an Indian market motorcycle. But in America, we're putting the best of everything in it. So you get got a guy out there that's putting 94 octane and full synthetic oil into a bike that's designed to run on, like, 84 <laughs> octane and uh, recycled transmission oil or recycled motor oil. Uh, and that would be too good for it. And then you get all these problems. Now... Yeah, there are a lot of bikes that share, that run a wet clutch, that do spec synthetic oils, and it's due to the design of the material that's in the clutch plates that allow them to run, but in old motorcycles, for sure.
3: It's like night and day. I mean, I've got yeah. bikes where I thought, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to run this hard, I'm going to put synthetic in it. I better put synthetic in it. Clutch started slipping. Drain it. Put regular oil back in. Ride it around a little bit.
1: Went away. Yeah. Usually I like soak them. I like to clean them with kerosene if I can. Yeah, but I mean,
3: like I was, a i was surprised that it came back. Like just it is surprising that it
1: comes back because it slips so bad. I mean, it slips like crazy. If you run a vintage motorcycle with OEM clutch plates in it, and you know the type of composition clutch plates with modern synthetic oils, they have a tendency to slip like crazy. They won't hook up. They'll glaze out real quick. Yeah, that's
0: that's weird. Cause like with mine, I uh, I rebuilt my whole clutch. Right. I put it in modern clutch parts. Modern clutch uh, parts. Yeah. All Barnett uh, alloys and mm. friction discs. And uh, my my clutch has seemed just kind of sticky. Yeah. It, like ever ever since you know rebuilding it, it's just right. it's just kind of sticky. It's not quite given. So did you
1: soak your plates for a day before you put them together. I did. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. And and I, I was just thinking. Myself about either switching to synthetic, which I really don't want to do. Right, you can or, try it, or to one of the special, special. As I throw up the hand quotes here, which yeah. you won't see. Yeah, the invisible uh, hand quotes. The uh, the the wet clutch. Right. uh right. Dino oils. Right. Exactly. You know, which are still like
1: retard expensive. Four bucks a quart. Yeah, they're yeah, like four, four or five bucks, or bucks, bucks a
0: quart. quart. Yeah. Well, but uh, I, I was just thinking about switching to one of those, just because yeah. my clutch has always seemed a little fishy since I rebuilt it.
3: Well, that's the other thing, too, though. Motorcycles and how much oil goes in the bike, it's not like a car where there's five, you know, up to six quarts. Yeah, exactly. You only have maybe a quart. quart, One quart. Two quarts. One quart that's sloshing around in there. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's the, the biggest thing is usually when you're buying a specialized oil, the oil that is the base of that oil is the same oil that you can buy for 99 cents a quart what changes are the modifiers, what changes are the recipe, the little things they put in there, the little bonuses that they put in in their little recipe packages to make the oil handle a certain different way under certain conditions. The, most of the oils come from the same place. Refineries, oh, they all come from the same Amsoil really. doesn't have yeah. their own particular refinery where they're making just their own oil. No, royal was, purple. There's a, right. there's
0: a handful of them.
1: No, there's actually a ferry that comes down and brings you your royal purple, right? Or yeah, your, uh, right. Or your no, it, I think it's a unicorn. <laughs> it's a unicorn. Yeah. It's so
3: we Oh, well, it's
2: a ferry riding a unicorn. We've right, finally right, done it. Right, we've, had right.
3: yeah, we've had the oil conversation. We've had the oil conversation. Comes it up free... on every forum. It comes up yeah, every. Feel free to write us a thousand emails on it because we will because you know more than. We do
2: because right. yeah. you've studied the internet, right? And when and you, you went on BP site, and I'll you know mine. exactly and because what
0: your favorite motorcycle forum that you frequent every day told you so,
2: right? And you know what's funny is I do, but, go in but, a lot but of the Blue points. Guy Twenty Seven said that um, the uh, 10W40 <laughs> Mobile One is the, uh, the best oil for my bike, and they uh, told me to totally <laughs> buy the synthetic.
1: But honestly, after being on a ton of the forums, what I do like is, years ago, the internet gave every single person the exact same voice, regardless of experience or education. Everybody had the same voice, and whoever posted the most was technically posting the loudest. And they were just putting their bad information out more frequently and on more forums than other people. Well, it's
0: now, because they had more time to do so exactly. because they weren't doing real shit with right. their lives. Now with the EmotionCon...
1: <laughs>
2: right. With the emoticon, we can yeah. really emphasize how much yeah. we know.
1: Right. I can show my ignorance louder and in bright colors. So I think what we're seeing, though, is as we're getting more players in these forums, we're starting to get better information. So it's not just the preponderance of bad information, Honestly, when I look at the FAQs from a lot of these things, a lot of the data that's being passed down and makes it to the FAQ, the moderators are keeping it in check. So wild stuff. They're doing a good job
2: of filtering that yeah, stuff Yeah, they're filtering down. a lot of crap if, out. if it makes it to
0: a sticky right. or an FAQ, it's... It's, it's usually pretty good yeah. stuff. I
2: remember that. years ago, you would read a forum, and the horrible information that you got oh on God. one forum yeah. would just be regurgitated on another forum. Cut and forum, pasted to another forum. And, they, and, right. they, and it would, they would actually, like, you know, quote, oh, well, I got this from this forum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you yeah, got yeah. wrong information from one forum, brought it to another forum, so you told... Yeah. You know, 50 other people had <coughs> horrible, yeah. you know, how to do oh, the something really, the internet.
1: Some oh. guys, the first people that had those, you know, 15.5 baud modems went out and mm-hmm. did a lot of damage, man. <laughs> those guys went out and yeah. they made a lot of establishing stuff, and I'm glad Wiki didn't get all the information from those guys. I was there in guys. the
0: early 90s, man. Yeah. It, I was there when it was called a Bolton Board, Bolton board. Yeah, BBS is yeah, it right. is. BBS.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. You, you didn't go onto a form, you went onto a BBS or you mm-hmm. went or on. Or alt dot. Yeah, news news yeah, groups. You went servers. on Alt Dot. Yeah, Alt yeah. Dot. The uh, Alt but, Dot Cleveland Motor. Uh, back, back when
1: on. back when the internet was just a baby. <laughs> back when the internet was Series a baby. Of tubes. <laughs> yeah. The uh, it was cans string. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's something I got that's legit. Uh, Motorcycle Safety Foundation is working with Virginia Technical something. Virginia Transportation Technical. And I don't know is where the
3: shooting
2: happened? There... Nah, I don't know. We're, yeah, we're going but... to just throw it out there. That somewhere in Virginia, <laughs> V-T-T-I. they're
1: technical. They got an acronym. They got an acronym in their name. So yeah, Virginia Tech Transportation Institute is working hand-in-hand with the Motorcycle Safety Foundation. What they're doing to put it in a nutshell is putting transponders and video cameras onto 100 motorcycles. And they're putting these 100 motorcycles are going to be in the states of California, Virginia, and Florida. They're starting the program actually right now, March, April. Wow. And they are going to be picking, and I don't know what qualifications they're going to do. And what's funny is they call it a naturalistic motorcycle riding survey. So it's not like the Nielsen box, you know. Yeah, Nielsen ratings and all that. It's going to be, hey, dude, put this little box on your computer and go ride the way you normally ride. And to that I call bullshit. Because the second you let me know it's on my motorcycle, I'm going to change my riding habits. You can't test something without changing it.
2: Yeah, because I don't want you thinking I'm an asshole. One exactly.
1: Right. <laughs> and so, and they also said it's large scale. Well, a hundred. Yeah. If they're going to have a sampling of a hundred
2: people who know the computers on their bike, no. So that's that's a... not large scale. It's ridiculous. Now, if they're saying that's large scale, right. How many riders would they say that there are in the United States? Mm. (laughs) Large scale would kind of tell me that that's 75%. That'd be large scale. Large scale. If they call 100 riders
1: large scale, I call 100 riders a small rally. Yeah. Like I've, if I go to rally and there's a hundred people, I'm like, this is kind of a weak rally. I
2: call I call I call one hundred riders kinda like a bike night for
1: yeah. us. Okay, <laughs> so that's not large scale for a party. How are they gonna call it large scale for empirical testing for data? Yeah. But anyway, what so they're what trying to do. What are they testing for? Well what they're trying to do is they're trying to get a new version of what uh, in the eighties and seventies came out that was called the Hurt Report. And the Hurt Report was uh Rest in peace, yeah, by exactly. the way. He just
2: right. passed away
1: this year. Yeah. The uh so the Hurt report was all about why do motorcycles crash, what causes motorcycle crashes, and when motorcycles do crash, what happens afterwards. And, and he didn't data, have though, computers, and he did more than a hundred. Well, that data is now thirty years old, and and. And plus, and bikes have changed a lot. and People's riding has changed. I saw that helmet use has gone up like 40% or 30% since 2004. Thank fucking God. Yeah, no kidding, right? So, uh, as I'm riding around Cocoa Beach with no helmet on all last week, so. It would have missed, guys. Okay, so. Her, the, report, her blah, report. Blah, 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 okay. blah. So, data will be collected from each rider for up to 12 months. Okay, not to 12 months. But here's another thing that throws it out immediately most of the people that I know own more than one motorcycle. Okay? You're not going to be able to get my riding data because I ride each bike of a fraction of my time. I ride a whole bunch of different motorcycles. So if you put it on any, if you pick one of my motorcycles, it's only going to get, even in 12 months, it's only going to get a couple of thousand miles a day to put on it. So you got to find people that only ride one motorcycle. I'm going to put forth to you that people that only want ride one motorcycle have totally different riding behavior than people that own six motorcycles. Yeah, they're they're actually completely different how they, motorcyclists.
0: How are right. they going
3: to disperse the 100? I mean, yeah, how are and that's what I price? mean. Are you looking exactly. at 18
2: year old ch- kids, or are you looking at guys that have been riding for 27 odd years? Are going to be
3: a lottery? Like everybody signs up who would be willing, and then you're going to hand like how are you so gonna you're going
1: to distribute 100 transponders and video cameras between three states between three states to a bunch of people who know they're going to be tested. Well, why not okay. even do it like two per state? Let's do all 50 states. I don't care. My theory on this, the way, like, for me, to pass the smell test, you're putting out 100 transponders to 100 people that know they're getting them, 100 people that only own one motorcycle, 100 people that know there's a little computer on their bike taking notes of every time they shift gears, where they brake, what they do, and if they have a crash, it's going to take all the data leading up to that crash and their riding behavior for the weeks leading up to that crash. That's what they're looking for. Well, and they have crash to have a motorcycle that's crash modern motorcycle. enough to to support to all this stuff. To know that okay when they're shifting, like exactly you couldn't throw that on you my can't bike. Put it on a vintage motorcycle. You know, yeah, that's, they should have wrote an iPhone app. Well, even so. So now I think, the, I think the testing is worthless already because the people that are being tested know they're being tested. They're going to modify their behavior, whether they think they
0: yeah, are or not. Yeah, there's no
2: control here. Exactly. I would
1: I would modify my behavior to ride
0: like the biggest asshole ever. Whatever. You, know? you I, are the biggest exactly. asshole ever. Oh, thank you, James. So, I, love
1: I, guess in I, my I love you, too. I'll second I that. Yeah. No, just in my world, no, what no. I would do is I would work a deal out with the factories, and I would go to BMW and Honda, Kawasaki and Yamaha and Suzuki, and I'd walk up and I'd say, here's the deal. We're yep. going to put these Fuck Harley Harley too
2: right? <laughs> They sell a lot of bikes. They're still motorcyclists God damn, damn it Not they the are, kind we like But they are And motorists. they do crash a lot So That's true <laughs> So true.
1: I would work a deal With the bike companies To say that We're going to put this on A random selection Of your motorcycles That you're going to sell this year Okay the customer will never know that they're being tested. Mm. Their name will never be associated with the results of the test, so you don't need to worry about your bike has a transponder on it. Freedom of I information. If I go speeding at. or whatever, right, it's not going to hurt me because the the transponder data is going to be numbered and not associated with a name. I'm not going to be punished for anything I do on this bike.
2: Yeah, but when do you get that
1: information back then? Well, I think what you have to do is when you're purchasing the bike, and this is just in a fantasy world. My way of running the test would be different to the way than they're running the test. I would make the test completely Invisible, you would never know your bike was rigged, totally anonymous. Okay, Big brother anonymous. Phil
2: is watching right. you, and it
1: would, and you would then contact the owner of this bike after a year and say, Hey, by the way, you just won an award, you're gonna get a free service on your bike. Bring your bike in for a totally free service. You're gonna give the guy a totally free service, and you're gonna rip the transponder off his bike. Okay, he doesn't know it was ever there. He signed something buried in his ownership documentation that said he knows it was there or whatever, that they're allowed to use data just like. Your call may be monitored for quality assurance.
2: Well, the thing to do would be then, like everybody that buys a Kawasaki, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah, they just automatically sign. You yeah. may or may not be. Your call may monitored. be monitored for yeah.
1: quality assurance.
2: You may one. When was the last time you hung yeah. up on somebody because it said yeah. that? But okay. then, right. but then, right. do you? Mm-hmm. Your motorcycle may yeah. be monitored Monitor for quality, see, quality assurance. assurance. Now, yeah. right. See, that would also indicate like. All right, so a lot of the guys I know don't own modern motorcycles. Right, I've never, I've never bought a the motorcycle whole brand is new. Flawed. The it's, entire it's is totally flawed.
1: It's totally flawed. It's awful. But here's my fun part. This is where we we just we just rat fucked this thing in ten minutes, and we don't work for VTTI mm-hmm. or the MSF, but we just destroyed it in ten minutes. Okay, they did this in two thousand and five, but they did it with cars. This is the sick part of the 2005 oh, story. Oh, God, this is awful. Because this then takes our whole shit-talking and our whole rat-fucking scenario and throws it right out the window and says, you know what, All, everything that Cleveland Moto just came up with, we're going to justify it. In 2005, they did the same thing with 100 automobiles. Out of 100 automobiles in a one-year period. There were 69 crashes and more than 750 near crashes. How bad are American drivers that when they know they have a tattletale on board their vehicle, they still have 69% of the people outfitted with the rig experienced a crash? I don't like knowing that 69% of the 100 black boxes experienced a crash. I would not want to fly with an airline that 1% of their black boxes experienced a crash, okay? And 750 near crashes? Holy crap. Like, that is the most frightening statistic at all. I'm sharing the road with 69 people who, while they know they're being tested, will still get into a crash a year. Um, I can say, very happily, that this year the only thing that my truck has hit was a tree. <laughs> as I was backing up in the dark. Okay, I where did hit a they tree. You, you wanted that at? tree gone anyway, and so, I, but I was you know. in Yosemite National Park on a steep cliff incline, whatever. So they went around to bars where people were really drunk. And I getting think on was, their bikes, and they said,
3: "Here, here's the a transponder.
1: transponder." Was built into the thing you have to blow to make your car engine like, start when you've had too
3: many UIs. For this, <laughs> to, for this test to be any fun, some of these bikes got to right. right? crash. We got to crash a few. I of we got was thinking get, they get these... only
2: gave them to people that own nail salons, okay, all, or massage parlors. Yeah, right. The whole, the whole Knievel family, they get one. Right, they get one. Each, each person.
1: So the real question is, I think, the, I think the discussion, because it's such a small sampling, there's only 100 of these units to be had, and if you don't live in Virginia, California, you know, you're, out of the, you're out of the sampling anyway, it doesn't matter. But the question I'm putting out to podcast land is, how would you, if you were approached and they said, we're going to put this on the bike that you ride most frequently, would you alter your riding?
3: No. Better or worse? Plus nope. or
1: minus? I, I think it would it'd be I something would like, like a, I do
3: every day. I think it would right. be like getting a speeding ticket. I'd get mm-hmm. the box, and for a while I would You'd think about it. you behave for a while. It, but then after a while, I'd forget it's there and be like, whatever. But, okay. you know, I don't know. And then my
1: second question is, now that you've said how you would react to having the box on your bike, what would the data that that bike obtains tell the Motorcycle Safety Foundation about you? I wish I could get some box on my bike.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, my data, um,
0: it would probably tell the Motorcycle Safety Foundation. It would just say. It would say that I work on my bike more than I ride it.
3: No, <laughs> right? okay. no it All would right.
0: just, it would just show up. It would be two words. It would say "certified badass." Well,
2: wow. I not mine. Mine would come up. Drum. You stop <laughs> at does, the bar does it run? <laughs> too much. Does it, does it have a GPS <laughs> up to it? Right?
1: James would come up with one word drunk. Because I know that I've been riding for a long time and I know that I've ridden a lot of different motorcycles and I ride different motorcycles in different ways. So I'm going to get on one, mo- one type of motorcycle, I'm going to ride it a certain way. I'm going to get on another type of motorcycle and ride it another way. But I think that the cumulative data that it would have for me, the average across the board, would be that this guy's kind of a jackal. Okay? This guy uses his throttle like a light switch. Okay? the front wheels in the air way too much on whatever bike he's on and if they had to change laws based on the way I'm riding man I'd be terrified i mean that anonymity about the way that I ride if the cop didn't see it it didn't happen is usually the way I'm riding and it's pretty much true i try yeah. to be i try to be oh this is the most this is ridiculous but i'm going to be you know I will be hoist on my own petard for this one. I try to be responsible and safe, but still have a good time. And anybody who sees me
3: ride will know that's really not the case. Well, that was something we were talking about. Do you get in your car, every time you drive your car, do you want to go take it up to 100 mile an hour? Because it seems like when I ride my bike... I do. I always, like, the last thing I do before I get off the highway is pin it wide open for a little bit. See, and then I get off the highway and go home. I drive like, my cars and my
1: trucks... As though my wallet were directly connected to the motor. Okay? I don't want tickets. I don't want bad fuel economy. I don't want my insurance to go up. I drive it like it's pure economy, baby. I mean, I'm driving a vehicle that gets 18 miles per gallon on its best day. I'm trying to save money. I'm hypermiling on the way to work, right? 18 miles on the way to work and I'm hypermiling. But when I'm on a bike, gasoline, that might as well be water, man. Yeah, it comes cheap. (laughs) It comes cheap. I'm going to burn as much as I can. And the more time the front wheel spends in the air, the less time I'm going to have to replace it, you know? Uh, I have no problem having a lot of fun on my motorcycles, and that's where I do get my release. I ride my bikes, and I ride my bikes aggressively. And have I ever crashed because I was going too fast for the situation? Yes.
2: Yes. I have.
1: I am a statistic. Mm-hmm. You know, have I ever crashed while not wearing a helmet? Yes, yes. I have. I am a statistic. Oh, I thought we were asking. you know, So... I am that guy, but you know, I've got a lot of pins and steel and metal in my leg, and I can't run but anymore. But you've raced
3: bikes, too. Some of that happened well, Some of it did happen in competition, in on course, right?
1: <clears throat> some of that happened in controlled racing environments. Some, but some of that happened... Some of that happened after a night at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, we make a decision to have uh, a dangerous, you know, some people choose to fly planes, some people choose to jump out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh.
3: But it wasn't, doesn't this, don't the statistics suggest otherwise? Like, if you look at fatalities per accident per mm-hmm. bikes or something like that, yes, you're more likely to get killed, but you're actually less likely to be in an accident. I mean, I've, I know I read that so Yeah, and, the, I, and I shouldn't say that without the having the numbers The statistics are bat. juggled so ridiculously that the statistics are
1: bent to suit any situation they need them to be seen. Yeah. I read one today that I couldn't even decipher, but it said something about, um, there were more motorcycle fatalities as a result of alcohol oh, yeah, last year than there were motorcycle fatalities, period. And I went, how do you even come up with that number? Like, you're, you're killing me with that, with that number. How do you bring that number up? And how that was my thing. Is like, okay, if you say there were 100 me. fatalities last year, then the assertion would be, that 51 of those fatalities were alcohol-related and 50 were not alcohol-related. Okay, but you can't say, if I get hit by a car and on the way to the morgue you check my BAC and I'm over the legal limit, but the guy that hit me was three times over the legal limit and he's at fault, I still go into that category. I've helped their statistic. And it's really tough because one time I was hurt racing. And I was taken to Denver General Hospital while I was hurt racing. I was broken up pretty bad. And I went in there, and they ask you all those questions in the ER. And those questions are all for statistics. And I told them, I'm like, I'm refusing to answer any of your questions because I don't want the data that I'm going to give you to be used to support some claim. When the fact is, I got hurt in a closed course. I didn't get hurt riding a motorcycle on the street. I got hurt on a racetrack. So what I was doing... And the safety gear I was wearing or wasn't wearing has no bearing on what happens on the street. But the only data they can mine is the data they get. And unfortunately, the data they get is from the ER. They never talk about the one that got away. And the ones that got away are a huge portion of that number. So I guess what it comes down to is I think people who ride motorcycles have made a choice. Yeah, and we know they're dangerous. Nobody ever said it wasn't dangerous. No, I tell people that all
2: the time. And you can
1: throw as many numbers at me as you want to make it more dangerous or less dangerous. Uh,
2: Well, how many times do we hear, Oh, well, I'm just so much worried about the people, the other people on the road, right? That's that's something that me, you, and everybody else in this room, and everybody else listening, we deal with that. If you ride a bicycle, as far as
1: I'm concerned. You're slower than everything else. You're you know you're kind of in the way. Yeah, and you're people aren't paying attention. You got no protection. And you're you got wearing no to exit the This a situation. Which, I think guys on bicycles are way more risky than I am. Yeah. You're,
0: you're just I expecting like that
1: everybody <laughs> on the road is <laughs> like, oh, he's on a
0: bicycle. I, I'm going to get away from him. I'm going to give him some room. I, I try know? and hit them when I'm on my
1: motorcycle. Joggers, actually, you know, like the, the, these are the people that the I ass. think are really really dangerous. Like they're. They're taking more risk than I am on my motorbike.
3: Does it? You know? Does anybody hate it when you go through the metro park and people no. are jogging on the road when there's a path? When there's the path right eight there. feet away that they could be on. I mean, that's, that's paved. so fucking annoying. Yeah,
1: bicycle guys and, and the, yeah, the bicycles and the joggers.
2: You know, they, they yeah, you don't that. deserve to be on the same road as me. I've got a. Especially got when motor. the
1: bicycle guy is legit, and oh god, you know, Critical Mass guys and all the guys from Crankies and stuff are going to like really get mad at us for this. But legitimately, you're on a bicycle and goes like well, 23 miles an hour if, you really do yeah, it. Yeah, oh, if you're really oh, doing it. If you're if you're eating the yeah. crap it. Right. <laughs> if you're on a forty mile an hour road or like a lake road or something with me, and you're three feet in. Into the lane where the real vehicles should be. Mm-hmm. No, I know that you're a real vehicle. I know the state of Ohio said you have the same right to the road that I do. Well, but at boy. some point, I gotta call BS, man, because the the prevailing flow of traffic means that what happens is a car will go left of center to go around your 22 mile an hour ass and be in my lane to give you, you know, to be able to safely pass you. And I can't count the number of times people have been all up in my lane because of a bicyclist on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Man, ride where there's bike lanes, you know? Yeah. That's oh, exactly right on, on the fucking sidewalk. Uh,
3: <laughs> I, there's, there's reasons for that, too. I mean, back on the dangers of riding a It's a no-win. My ethos for doing anything dangerous, actually, is if you did it and you got hurt bad, would you continue to do it? On my motorcycle, if I got in an accident and I got hurt bad... As soon as I was healthy, I probably I would want to get back oh, yeah. on the bike. Yeah. Oh totally. So you yeah. know you can had do, a broken you, leg and, and you can apply it. that to yeah. skydiving. You could apply it to right. whatever. You know, yeah. if you got hurt bad, it didn't kill you. Joe can't walk through an airport. I right can't get through because... any airport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and no he still does one. it. And so ask yourself worried. that question if you're worried about whether or not would you. You know, do you like it enough? If you've got a big enough passion for it, I mean, I've had people
1: offer me a lot of money to not ride motorcycles anymore. Really? Yeah. When I first, when Merritt and I were getting serious, her father said. And I won't disclose the amount of money, but he said, I will give you this pile of money. And it was a lot to, to swear off motorcycles because he knew that Merritt was getting into motorcycles with me. And he, so he could see in the crystal ball and see that she'd be riding or riding on the back. And he perceived that as being such a danger that it was worth him reaching into his bank account and offering me a bribe to say, I'm going to pay you this amount of money and... You're done with motorcycles. Couldn't you have just taken bucks? the money and said, <laughs>
0: and "I have, I have stuck personal a brand. integrity."
1: Yeah, yeah. So if I if I swear that I'm not going to do something, I'm not going to do it, and I weighed that heavy into the equation. And I also had to say, you're in a relationship fairly early with this woman. You might take this money and six months from now not be in a relationship with her anymore. But I wasn't willing to compromise my own integrity like that. And I honestly do love this.
2: Yeah, I, mean, that's, I love it like breathing. I wouldn't give this up for anything. Yeah. Like, Hell literally no. for anything yeah. in the world.
1: I mean, I was riding in Chicago with a cast past my knee in Chicago City traffic and getting looks, man. You know, people are freaking out. But that's what I, and that's how much it means to me. You know, I don't. I I would be one of those guys that if I was paralyzed, I would have that Bizarro sidecar rig mm-hmm. with the controls and stuff moved over. Yeah, yeah and
2: you know what? You often like yeah. you get those Steering guys with that come team. in.
1: Shit, man! If I had to have a Stephen Hawking fucking motorcycle, <laughs> yeah. I have a Stephen Hawking <laughs> 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 motorcycle. <Yeah. And laughs> you get those
2: guys that come in, and you think like, hey, hey, what the you. fuck? Like yeah. you don't want to deal with those right. people, but those are genuinely people that have a passion for riding. When I get a
1: guy that comes in; he's got two, you know, two blasted out hips, and he's on two Jerry Skid's crutches, but he wants to ride. Um, uh, my heart goes out to him because I know that feeling. I know that yeah. feeling. It's like your body may be broken, but the spirit's not dead. You want to go out and ride.
2: Yeah. And
1: I, I haven't found anything else that gives me the same kind of visceral thrill. Visceral thrill. No. Yeah, so on that note, wow, what a somber podcast. Yeah, that was sad. This is quite the contrast and comparison from podcast number six where we're all just like loose and drunk and nasty. Uh Give us shouts, give us emails, all that fun stuff. We got some good emails in, actually, this week. So What's our email coming. address? Uh, it's clevelandmoto at gmail.com. You can tell your friends about us. We're clevelandmoto at blogspot.net.com. Um, right. yeah, yeah. Blogspot, blogspot, right. Cleveland, dot com, that's right. Blogspot.com. This, this ain't
2: blogspot. no cheapo thing. This is right. dot com. That's exactly
1: right. <laughs> so please be in touch with us. Let us know what you got cooking. The uh, springtime, I swear to God, springtime's coming. It's... It's trying. The time change. Today it was two days ago. We had we We did spring forward, right? (laughs) I was riding bikes in front of the shop. I rode that crazy little ruckus monstrosity with the 150 motor and got wet. Got wet and nasty riding that thing. So. Keep your fingers crossed that we have a good St. Paddy's Day Parade and the weather breaks for us. We'll be in touch with you guys. We'll do our next podcast next week and let you know how the St. Paddy's Day Parade went, if it went at all. In the meantime, remember springtime is coming. Get out in your garage. Get those battery chargers on. Clean those carburetors. Fire that bike up. Get the garage door open. Let the fumes out. Make sure when that first sunny day comes that you're a guy who's able to ride, not a guy that has to make a phone call and get his bike picked up. Yeah. You guys have a great time. Stay safe. Good night.
0: Good night.
3: Good Good luck.
0: Thank you for listening to Cleveland Moto. If you have comments or topic suggestions, you can leave them at our blog at www.clevelandmoto.blogspot.com or visit our website at www.clevelandmoto.com.